Tatiana, you know, perhaps more accepted now because of the pandemic, but for most people, quote unquote, kids don't get depression. What's the reality of this? Kids absolutely get depression. I don't have the statistics. I don't think there are statistics on the prevalence of that, but it is absolutely possible to diagnose a child with depression. And in fact, when I was in university, they were saying that it was, um, I think the youngest documented case of major depressive disorder was about five years old. What? But when I was in uni, so this was, you know, 2010 or so, they had said that uh, the projection was that it would come down to about three years old in the coming years. So it is absolutely possible to diagnose. A lot harder to do because obviously we're not looking for the same things as what you would with an adult client. But, you know, as we've covered before, mental health is also physical health. So it need not be, because I think the common question we get is, what does a five-year-old have to be depressed about? What does a child have to be depressed about? I was just about to ask you that, yeah. You know, but, you know, it is depression and anxiety. They're all, you know, byproducts of changes in body chemistry as well. So it's very possible that without there being very much conflict within the world around them, that biologically Mm. due to, you know, an underlying medical issue or due to even some type of unresolved trauma in their early years, you could see those chemicals change causing them to meet the criteria for depression. Right. So it's not about what could they be depressed about, but actually it is just what it is, right? It just is what it is. Yeah. It could be as, it, it could be affecting them chemically like how diabetes would, right? right. Not mm-hmm. something that they necessarily caused. Um, so I guess the the shift from, yeah, it's, it's, it's strictly environmental mm. needs to change because it need not be. But yeah, there has been cases of children in that age bracket getting diagnosed. So let's talk about what would trigger depression in kids. You, you did mention diabetes, but if you can mm. just sort of expand on, on both those sort of mm. um, chemical and environmental aspects. So with anything with regards to mental health, there are two two major contributors. So it's the nature versus nurture argument. So the first side being that it's, let's just say it is nurture. So it's the environment, which I think is the more commonly referred to. That is because there has been something in their environment that has caused them to feel extremely distressed, right? So whether it might be family, you know, parental separation, it could be bullying at school, it could be, um, you know, living in a particular socioeconomic bracket where there's a lot of challenges. There could be a lot of these different Difficulty, so I say challenges as sort of an un- umbrella term, which would cause children to experience uh, symptoms of depression because like we've covered in other episodes, their brain is still doing a lot of growing. And so when you're introducing components or things into their life that they're not yet able to process, like mom and dad no longer wanting to be together, their brain kind of like error 404, like they can't really right. deal with that. Um, mm-hmm. And so that triggers you know, the brain sort of fight or fight response, and then that makes depression an an option. But then we also have the nature argument, which is that depression is controlled by two chemicals in our brain, dopamine and serotonin. And so when dopamine and serotonin are occurring in very minimal amounts due to, for example, issues with uh, medical issues, which cause those chemicals to come down, Mm -hmm. right, that would cause a person to feel extremely sad and extremely low, even though they have an extremely supportive family right Right. Um, and so and again vice versa you could be physically very healthy but if your environment isn't supportive that could also bring your dopamine down Mm. so understanding the triggers is a very very big part of figuring out how to uh, not to say I won't say treat but how to manage um, the symptoms so that's always the first thing that we figure out is whether or not this is something that's environmental or whether or not it's something biological because if it's biological no amount of talk therapy will fix it we have to 
find a way to get the dopamine and serotonin back up. So that's why it is, it is a, you know, it it comes from two different angles, right? Mm -hmm. And, but I feel a lot of parents think it's just the environment that they have to factor in. An off the cuff remark about wanting to die, having regular meltdowns, acting checked out, then they're having a laugh with their friends. How can they be both ways? And what are the warning signs of real depression in kids? The criteria for depression is that you're seeing this phase of low mood for more days than not, right? Mm. So if you have a child who is generally quite depressed or quite low, but then they have a couple of days where they seem almost normal, almost happy, right? I get that's where the confusion comes from. But so I tell parents, look for more days than not. If their default setting is to be quite withdrawn, is to be quite sad, to have lots of tears, to have lots of meltdowns, that is what we need to pay attention to. But if you have a child who is generally very happy-go-lucky, generally very functional, but on the heels of you taking their screen away and they get really upset and they throw these words at you, or Mm -hmm. after an altercation with with a friend, they kind of don't want to talk to people for that day, I wouldn't immediately jump on it and say that the child might have depression, right? There might be other elements at play, but the goal is to look for something that is generally quite consistent. And mind you, there are some kids who are a lot better at masking the symptoms than others, right? So they Mm. will show up and they they will do what they have to do. But if you're noticing that the child is overall quite, you know, uninterested or quite disengaged, having difficulties with sleep, so we're seeing either too much sleep or too little sleep, we're seeing changes in appetite um so binge eating or not eating at all um we're seeing a lot of these things that are quite consistent then i would say just bring them in to have a chat with someone just to make sure that everything's okay and with regards to that term of like i want to die that is something that a lot of kids do say because ultimately you know mental health and suicide is something that is discussed a lot more heavily in social media um and so i have seen a lot of kids use that as not so much attention seeking, but using that as a way to communicate that things are not going well, right? It might not 100% be their intention that they want to end their lives, but they acknowledge that that phrasing either gets people to pay attention to help with whatever they're struggling with, mm-hmm. or it gives them a way to put a sticker on something they're feeling that they don't yet understand. Right, so but that they want to stop. So it's more yes. about, I want that to stop rather yes. than I want to die. It's a yeah. communication tactic a lot of the time. Right. But I tell parents, even though it's a communication thing, don't turn a deaf ear to it. Right. So act on it and see if there's something you really need to worry about. Also, that's their level of earth shattering. That's where I'm at right now. Yeah. Is there such a thing as a high functioning depressed child? And what does that look like? So, yes, there is something that we refer to as high functioning depressed, high functioning anxious. It's not in the DSM. It's not something that we, we recognize, although the DSM does have levels of severity. But I do believe that there are a lot of people who are quite uh, capable of functioning day to day whilst having these these symptoms, right? So how um, depression would differ from adult depression would be, of course, you would see more dysfunction in areas that we would not as adults think is an issue. So for example, the main one would be play, right? Mm -hmm. So you would start seeing a child be very disinterested in play, disinterested in things that they used to enjoy, like maybe even playing games or watching cartoons, things like that, which I feel a lot of adults miss because they don't think that's a big issue, right? Because play is not a big part of our lives. 
So right. I would say definitely if you're starting to see children disinterested, so the things that they normally like, they might not engage in anymore. They might try their best not to participate in anything social, right? They might not kind of be very outwardly withdrawn, but they would try their best to go like, oh, it's okay. I don't really feel like it. They would try to kind of push things around to other people because the goal is to kind of be as isolated as humanly possible. So yes, you will see it very clearly in some children who are very obviously withdrawn and obviously sad, but there are children who are a bit more functional, who might put a smile on their face as they decline things, but pay attention to the content, pay attention to what they're actually trying to tell you. So even if there's a smile, even if they seem quite aloof, if you're noticing that they're not engaging and they're not doing the things they used to, or they're not wanting to interact with other people, that's a pretty big red flag. Okay. When do parents, you know, ditch the pep talks and seek professional help? The pep talks can start from the moment you notice it, right? So like I said, it doesn't have to be anything really like sit down, we need to talk to you, right? It doesn't have to be that serious. It could very very simply be, hey, you know, just kind of notice something, right? And then just casually have a chat that way and point out to them that, you know, I noticed that you used to like to play Roblox quite a fair bit, but you're not doing it anymore. What's up with that, right? Mm. You know, and so just pointing things out because of course we might just be reading too much into things, right? So I've had a lot of parents who are just like, I don't know if I'm like reading too much or whether it's real. So it's always good to just kind of check and assess whether that's kind of what's going on. And even if they're not willing to talk about it then, they will also then realize that, hey, I've got a parent that seems very... Um, open to conversation, mm-hmm. right? You could drop things like, you know, if they go, no, why would you ask that? You know, well, no, it's just that whenever I have a bad day, I tend to not really want to talk to people because I kind of just want to be by myself. So when I saw that you didn't really want to hang out with us, I thought maybe that was it. But all good if that's what you're, if everything's okay, they will go, oh, so mom or dad knows what this is about, mm-hmm. right? So you're showing them that you are giving them that platform. A lot of the time, that's all they need, right? A lot of the time that that's all that they need to experience in order to go like, I've got this support in my household and they don't need to seek professional help um, because they're opening up to you. Let's talk about medication. When do they need it? And is that a lifelong thing Mm -hmm. or is there a next step after that? Medication is usually a component if it is biological. So say there is a medical undertone or there is a biological explanation for what's going on. Uh, But that need not necessarily mean psychiatric medication. It could just be supplements and other types of medications to get your biology or your chemistry under control. Um, So that is something I usually have to push towards because it's not something talk therapy can address, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The other option that medication comes in is if the child's depression is so severe that they're not responding to talk therapy. So you're doing all of the work with them, but then it's not penetrating their their mind because Mm -hmm. they're just so low. So in severe cases, medication might be something that, that you get Uh, recommended. However, there are a lot of parents who are still very hesitant towards it. And so psychologists, especially those working with children, have to be prepared to work with severe cases because of that gap. The other thing also, as as a child psychologist myself, I am very hesitant when I'm dealing with younger children. So if I'm dealing with teens, I'm a lot less concerned about it. But when I'm dealing with, say, nine year olds, I would be very worried about putting them on medication just because of the fact that we don't know how it would impact them long term. A lot of the medications on the market due to ethical considerations do not Mm -hmm. test on children. So a lot of the contraindications and a lot of the the risks that we're we're operating on are based on generally a very uh, careful assumption. So 
is a little bit too much of a risk for me in some, you know, when I think about it. So when you have younger children, I'd be a little bit more hesitant, right? And would rather recommend you do talk therapy. But it really is something that I feel is a personal preference. Your psychologist will tell you if it's something that is necessary. Uh, and if you are seeing a psychiatrist who's trying to encourage your child to be medicated, you as a parent have the right to communicate your concerns. And so I always tell parents, even when I'm referring my clients to see a psychiatrist, I always tell parents, go see the psychiatrist first without your child right air all of your concerns with them tell the psychiatrist what you're worried about all the side effects you read online get that off your chest before you bring your child to see them because the biggest mistake you can make is agreeing to have your child on medication and then because you are uncomfortable you play around with it so i had so many cases mm where kids got put on medication and the parents felt uncomfortable and told the child not to take it mm. right. and told the child or messed with the, with the, oh, you took one already today, tomorrow, don't it lah. They mess around with the dosage. And mm. when you're dealing with drugs, you have to be very, very careful with what you do because we're looking at your chemistry doing this, right? right. So if you feel that, you know, you have these concerns, get it off your chest, talk to your psychiatrist. If you can't come to a middle ground, then you're better off not getting your child on the medication at all and getting a psychologist who can work through that with you because once you have meds in place it is very important to be compliant 